people in life they just go with the flow a lot don't they Gideon mm -hmm. <laughs> they just they're drifting 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 going wherever the river of life takes them floating along to whatever happens to them uh, not being proactive just kind of waiting for life to come to them not really planning or being strategic like Paul that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to be seeking, uh, to be looking for open doors in our life, to be searching, looking, and not just to sit back and let life happen to us. God calls us to something higher. He calls us to be obedient with this life and to look for open doors. Uh-oh, hitting some rocks. Sometimes in life you do that. Ooh. Hit those rocks. But we don't want to just go with the flow. <laughs> We've got to be paddling where God wants us to go. Oh, we're stuck. And sometimes in life you get stuck. <laughs> oh, no. Whoop. Hope we don't tip. But that happens in life sometimes, too. No! Oh, no! There's this great verse in Hebrews 2, 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to the truths we have heard, so that we do not drift away. So do you pay close attention to where you're going in life? Do you have an extra exceedingly high awareness to the path that you're on? Why does this even matter? Because if we don't, we easily, so easily end up drifting aimlessly. And when we take our focus off of Jesus, we soon find ourselves further and further and farther from Him. See, drifting isn't something one actively does. It's something that passively happens because of what one is not doing. What are some warning signs that we could be drifting? Well, maybe it's that you haven't picked up uh, your Bible in weeks. Well, I'm just too busy. Another warning sign is that you rarely pray and the prayers feel empty and shallow when you do. Maybe you feel anxious all the time and overwhelmed. Another warning sign is that the gospel and God's amazing grace just doesn't affect you like it used to. Or maybe you've been choosing not to spend much time gathering with other believers. Drifting, 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 drifting.
you're drifting, if you find yourself losing interest in sharing or showing Jesus to the people around you, you don't hardly seem to even care to love or serve or give of yourself. Maybe the sins that used to bother you don't really bother you anymore and you're stuck in unrepentant disobedience and old habits. Or perhaps you've just plain allowed the busyness of the world to swallow you whole. Pastor and apologist Ravi Zacharias says, If you do not believe that God is in control and has formed you for a purpose, then you will flounder on the high seas of purposelessness, drowning in the currents and drifting further into nothingness. <laughs> wow. Wow. Sometimes, you know, we're not even sure what happened. We just drifted away from God and Jesus and others, and, and now we feel so distant. Is that you? It's okay. It happens to the best of us, because no matter how many years you've been a Christian, we're all prone to wander, every single one of us, and, and drifting from the voice of Jesus to places we never wanted to go emotionally, physically, relationally, spiritually. But we don't want to go on living like this, do you? Praise God that there is a way back to closeness with Jesus and that drifting away from Him does not have to be our final destination if we choose to steer in His direction and pay careful attention to focusing on our amazing Savior. So let's read Paul's example today in Acts 17 to encourage us to stay on course for the mission God's given us. Kids can go to junior church, follow Nikki. And uh, y'all can open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 17, please. We are continuing through the book of Acts this year. And our main scripture reading will be from Acts 17, starting in verse 1 this morning. Acts 17, verse 1. I'll give you... Five seconds to find Acts. You should, you know, if you have a bookmark or a piece of paper, just rip a piece of paper and put it in Acts. <laughs> We're going to be here for a while as we continue on through this. Here we go. Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and there was a synagogue of the Jews. And Paul went in, as was his custom. And on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, and saying, This Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the leading women. 
But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, sorry Jason, uh, seeking to bring them out to the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have, also, have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. And the people in the city authorities were disturbed when they heard these things, and when they had taken money as security from Jason and the rest, they let them go. Verse 10, the brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Many of them therefore believed with not a few Greek women of high standing as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was proclaimed by Paul at Berea also, they came there too agitating and stirring up the crowds. Then the brothers immediately sent Paul off on his way to the sea, but Silas and Timothy remained there. Those who conducted Paul brought him as far as Athens, and after receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him as soon as possible, they departed. Thus ends the reading of God's Word. Just one main thought today, if you got your bulletin notes. Um, carrying on this theme of drifting and from Acts. Drifting happens subtly and naturally, uh, so we must focus and steer back to Jesus. Oh, can, can you hand me that? I meant to bring that up. <laughs> Drift happens naturally and subtly, so we've got to focus and steer back to Jesus. Visual aid. All right. Drift happens easily sometimes, doesn't it? We can so easily drift off course. You know what boats do? They've got, of course, modern-day navigation tech inside their um, GPS, whatever, computers. Uh, but back then, well, they followed the stars. And even nowadays, if you're not real careful, just like an airplane, too, just a little bit off course, and man, you're, you're off. Uh, hours go by, days go by, and you can end up a long way from where you're meant to be. Drifting off course, uh, without recognition. And ever so slightly, and ever so subtly, we can do this in our marriage, in our finances, uh, with our kids, with our job, whatever. We, we can drift away from things in our life. We can sort of step outside of the way that God wants it to be for us. God's called us to be. And we can get off course. Anybody ever swam at a beach? Woohoo! Chris is on the beach right now. No. I think she's come back from Florida today, our youth leader. What's that? They got home around midnight. They got home around midnight. All right. So they were on the beach with Alex, our little buddy here, uh, Kate's son. And I don't know if they did this, if they swam a lot. I heard he kind of ran away from the Wawa when it came up on the beach. But I've been on the, in the ocean before, and, you know, I'm playing in the water because I like to play. I don't know if you know that about me. I like to enjoy uh, things and, and nature with my kids. And then I look up and I go, where's Rachel? And Rachel's like, where's Dan? <laughs> and when you're in the ocean and that, that current's just kind of slowly pushing you off course, you can wake up or, or put your head up and, and look at the beach and you go, I don't recognize these people and where's my family? Drifting. We can just so easily drift 
Drift, drift. And I think a lot of drifting uh, from God and from other people, it happens because of sin in our lives. But not just sin. That, that one's kind of obvious. It happens because of busyness and distraction. Anybody ever busy, busy, busy? Or distracted, distracted? We live in like an ADHD culture. We're just distracted all the time like a dog. Swirl, you know, just we're, we're doing something and boom. Uh, we're off of that and our brains are off of that. And we're kind of like... Uh, if you can switch to the next slide there, Judy. There you go. Uh, we're drifting, drifting, drifting. And I saw this picture. I was looking up uh, Google images of something that wasn't that. I forget what it was uh, for the slide. And I was like, that's a really good picture. So I just think of these screens today um, more than ever before. And, and I know distraction has been around for thousands and thousands of years. Obviously, uh, people have found anything to get, be distracted by. But... Screens, I think, are a big one today. And we're not going to get into a whole big long spiel, but um, he's sitting across from Jesus, <laughs> staring at his phone, you know, texting the person in the room next to him. I don't know. Is that us sometimes? We're, we're not communing with Jesus. We're, we're not in relationship uh, with our Heavenly Father. We're not in the Scriptures building this relationship with them because we're just so distracted. And the notifications pop up and, you know, scrolling this FaceTube or Instabook uh, or what, you know, uh, you tweet, I don't know, whatever it's called now. So, are, is that you? Is that me? Are you distracted? Are you too busy? Are you drifting because of those distractions, because of that busyness? Are, are you set off course? Have you gone off course? Do you need to come back? to God and Jesus, uh, and not be like that squirrel, you know, the dog, just chasing every thing that comes your way, every pop-up and notification, and we got to look up, put our phones away, open the scriptures, and we see that with Paul, we're going to see that uh, with the, the city that he went to in just a, a couple minutes, but we're floating, and drifting away from the things that matter the most, Jesus and God. Make an eternal difference in our life now and forever and the people around us. Nancy, are you drifting? Well, sometimes. Um, yeah, we all, we all do. Another thing that can be very distracting, and it certainly is for me, is deep sadness. Hmm. And if anyone has gone through major life change, I was telling my sister, it takes all you can do just to get through each day. And I don't know about Harry, but, you know, I know several of us are fighting that, and it, you know, it's hard. And um, so that's another, just another thing. Yeah, some, something know. on the pile, right? Well, yeah. just another thing that might lead you away from, let's say, interacting with the church family, because hmm. you're so steeped in everything you're trying to overcome, that that can be a, a problem. Okay. So. so Nancy's talking about how grief can just kind of overtake us sometimes. And there is a time to grieve. Don't skip grieving, please. Uh, we, we need that for our souls. We need to grieve. We need to rejoice in, in different times in our life. But sometimes it can feel overwhelming, can it? And just sort of take over. Uh, other emotions can, can take over. Anger or, or these different things in our life. And cloud our judgment. Set us off course. And um, I don't know. Just think about that grief. We need other people. It's, it's easy to sort of close ourselves off um, for different reasons. And not have the people around us, but the people around us are what we need the most, especially in those times of grief. And so, 
Whatever is distracting you, whatever's setting you off course, maybe just take a minute to reflect how you've been set off course lately, how you've been drifting. Why have you been drifting? Sometimes we don't really stop to think about it. We just know that we're kind of far away from where we want to be, from our goals, from our spouse, from our kids, from our work or finances or um, our marriage or God and Jesus. Where have you been drifting? Is there a reason there? Just ponder that. Um, But as we think about Paul, this guy, he's on course, man. He's not drifting. Why do you think Paul is, as far as we can tell, not drifting off course? Why is Paul, how is Paul like this? What do you think? I think his vision may have been transformative. He saw Jesus. Literally in the flesh, right there in front of him. Okay. So Paul had this passionate encounter, this amazing encounter with Jesus. Transformed his life. Maybe, maybe there's like cultural Christianity. Yeah, I go to church Easter and Christmas and maybe and you know, play the part and pretend or whatever. And then there's actually being transformed. Have you, have you been transformed? Have you had an experience with God and Jesus that makes you, uh, sets you on fire? You're passionate about God's Word. You're passionate about the things of the Scriptures. You're passionate about being a part of a church family and the mission that God's called us to do. Paul's passionate. Man, he's going on these journeys, these missionary journeys around Turkey and Greece and Italy, and he is proclaiming the Word of God. No matter what people do to him, He's on course. We want to, that's a good example for us in the faith. We want to be like him. Uh, passionate about the truth of Jesus. No matter who he met, no matter what they did to him, Paul stayed the course. He stayed the course for the mission. He knew that he was called by Jesus to do this thing. But it's not just Paul. It's all of us. Did you know that Jesus has a mission for you? And me? The question isn't, Has Jesus given me a mission? The question is, how am I doing at it? At at following Him, or or have I drifted away? Am I like Paul, knowing that every single person around me that I encounter, they need to know the truth of Jesus? And so I want to live like that, and represent Him to the world as best I can, sharing Jesus, sharing my uh, personal testimony, like, can I share with you what God's done in my life lately? Or... Um, you know, I learned something at church this Sunday about kayaks, and it's kind of interesting, and Gideon's so cute. And, uh, let me just share with you, how was your weekend? Let me tell you about my weekend. You know, getting Jesus into the conversation, around the water cooler, wherever you're at, knowing that Jesus loves all those people, and he wants them to know him. Just like Paul's going around to all these different cities, and he's like, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. like Oprah. Look under your seat. You get Jesus, and you get Jesus, and you get Jesus. And he is just like, everybody needs to know Jesus. Is that your heart? Are you on fire for the mission that God's called us to do? Hebrews 12, 1 says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer perfecter of our faith. Are your eyes fixed on Jesus? Are you focused on Him? You know, if you were in a boat... Uh, you'd be following a certain star across the ocean. Or else you would drift off course. 
It's so easy for us to drift, 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 but we've got to focus, fix our eyes on Jesus to help us in that line, to go in that direction that he's called us to, to follow that path, to be doing what he's called us to do and talking to who he's called us to talk to and being what he's called us to be. Our mission for Jesus is so easy to drift off of that focus because we're just squirrel, you know. Everything just pulls us away from the most important thing. There are so many good things in life, aren't there? So many great things to be a part of. Activities and sports and uh, events and people and all this stuff and jobs and family and, and fishing or kayaking or whatever you're into. But too many good things can take the place of the best things. And don't let those good things crowd out the most important things being a part of the mission that God has called us to do. So that's uh, our encouragement about the, the drifting. And then just for a couple minutes, I want to share with you about this, this city named Berea. Okay? Um, we're called to be passionate about this mission and to not drift. But maybe we'll say today to be like the Bereans. Have you ever heard that? Be like the Bereans. And some of you who, you know, maybe you didn't grow up in church, you're like, a Berean, is that, sounds like a, is that a librarian? Is that a librarian? I don't know. Uh, no, a Berean was from the city of Berea, as we read in Acts 17. And the Bereans are kind of interesting. Um, we get this picture, maybe not from a lot of other uh, cities, but, but they heard the words of Paul. And this is Paul. He's got a reputation. He's going around. He's authoritative. He's commanding. He's confident. He's telling the truth about Jesus. Uh, but the Bereans knew that God's word is perfect, but people aren't perfect. And they said, we're going to listen to what you say, Paul. And then we're going to fact check you. <laughs> then we're going to look it up. And we're going to get our, back then, you know, the Old Testament scriptures. They didn't have the New Testament quite yet. We're going to get our scriptures out. And we're going to fact check you. And we're going to make sure that everything you say is true because we know that people are fallible. And just because somebody says something or because a lot of people believe something, that does not make it true. Just because a lot of people think something is true, that doesn't necessarily make it true. Just remember that. And whatever a pastor says, whatever uh, your, your friend says or your family member or even your spouse uh, you love those people? You know? we, we trust those people. But we always want to say, hey, Pastor Dan said this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I'm going to fact check Pastor Dan. And some of you Google it while I'm preaching. you know, And that's fine. Somebody says something. It can sound good to our ears, but is it God's truth? That's what we've got to figure out and really um, seek like the Bereans. Humans have a tendency to, to take Scripture, God's Word, and, and use it uh, to proof text our, our stuff or to, to explain away our sins so we can say, hey, it's okay if I do this with this person. Uh, no. We've got to fact check. Everything. And our culture believes a lot of lies. They proclaim them as truth, and my truth is your, my truth, and your truth is your... That's not how truth works. Okay, first of all, uh, there is one truth. It is God's Word. And we've got to, got to, got to go back to it. Whenever you hear a new idea, whenever you hear a thought, whenever you hear a politician say, this is the way it is, you go, ah, I'm going to check on that. we got to check. Be like the Bereans and check it out. Uh, even if it's Paul, they checked him out because um, they knew that one person's teaching does, does not trump the Word of God, no matter who they are. 
um, yeah, no matter their achievements or their accolades or, or their position, we've got to check God's word, plain and simple. Um, I, I've got up here just a, a little poll that I found, this Church for Men Facebook page. He, he posted this week, evangelicals are twice as likely to read Facebook than their Bibles every day. You can fill in whatever social media you want, but we've got 66% uh, of evangelicals, that, that's Christians in the U.S., who say they use the following every day. Facebook, 66%. YouTube, 39%. The Bible, 32%. And that seems kind of high to me. I don't know. But that's what they say in the poll. Because we all want to say we're a little better than we maybe do. But Like I said, so many distractions get us away, pull us away from the truth. How many hours do people spend, do we spend, do Americans spend, Looking at screens, go back to that. TV, Netflix, YouTube, Facebook, scrolling whatever, social media, TikToks or Reels or Instagram or whatever. And we're like, oh, but I don't have time to read the Bible. You just spent an hour on social media on your break, okay, or maybe while you're at work or maybe while you're at home or you watch this, you binge this show for 10 hours. You can't spend 10 minutes in God's Word. This is the most important. We, we need to get our priorities straight and I'm... Uh, we all have this tendency to go off. We've got to be like the Bereans. I like this. Um, you see this iceberg? You all know how icebergs worked. A uh, little bit on the top. They call it the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> and then there's a whole bunch underneath that you can't see. And there's this meme. A, a, amount of scripture the pastor reads on Sunday. You know, I read this much. If that is all the scripture you get during the week, you're really, really, really missing out. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. The rest, that's the amount uh, that we want to, that you can read the rest of the week to grow. We're called to be in God's Word. Every single uh, person who calls himself a follower of Jesus, if we are not in God's Word, I want to say on a daily basis, or at least very, very regularly, um, and all that you hear from the Scriptures is from what I read on Sunday. It's only the tip of the iceberg. You're really missing out. Uh, missing out on God's truth for your life. For your everyday situations. And you don't read the rest. You're not in God's word. You're not uh, fellowshipping with him. You're not communing. You're not learning his will for your life. Seeing what he's called you to do. Not being in the scriptures is a big factor in drifting off course. Just saying. It, it's a big reason why people drift. So, are you like the Bereans? Oh, we'll continue the ship boat metaphor here. This is in the men's restroom, ladies. This is in the men's restroom. You don't got to go look. Here it is, right here. Uh, I'm borrowing this this morning. The Bereans use the Word of God as their anchor. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, it says. The Bereans use uh, God's Word as their anchor. For their souls. And they did not get off course because they were following the scriptures. Is God and his word your anchor? Are they holding you uh, on course? Do you search the scriptures? Like the Bereans with eagerness. Are you hungry for God's word? I want to learn something today. You open it up. God, speak to me. You are my rock. You are my anchor. Without you, I'm, I'm done. I'm off course. Do you think like that? Do you want to know what God's word says? Do, do you want to do, uh, apply what it says? 
to even care to read what God has spoken to us. Uh, I, I can't tell you the value of reading God's inspired Word to us on the daily, on the regular. And not just for ourselves. Okay, He is an anchor for our souls. He, he does keep us on track. But it's not just for us, it's for the people around us. Like Paul, like the Bereans, they were anchored to Jesus, but guess what? And they were telling other people about their anchor. And so we're going to talk more next week about sharing uh, the good news of, of Jesus with the people around us and kind of how to do that. But that's part of it. You see him going to Thessalonica. You see him going to Berea. Different responses, different reactions to, to Paul sharing as he's um, on course for God. I'm telling you, today, 2023, we have so many versions of the Bible on our phone. Hundreds that you can get with the touch of your finger. Downloaded notifications daily. Uh, we've got more commentaries than ever. Like in your pocket. In your pocket. All day long. You can learn the Greek and Hebrew meanings of different scriptures. Uh, you can read devotions. More scripture coming at you. More understanding and knowledge than ever before conceived in human history possible. You know, back... Not too far long ago, if you wanted to know something, you had to go to the library, you had to look at the Dewey Decimal System and the card catalog, and then you're like, this is too much work. I'm just going to not know. I'm just going to give up. And now you can say, okay, Google, what is this thing? Oh, there's my phone turned on. Hang on. Siri, tell me this. More knowledge than ever before, but are we converting it to wisdom? See, it's not just about information, it's about application that leads to transformation. Just knowing stuff is not the anchor. The Bereans, I want to say, they, they knew about the anchor of Jesus and they lived like it. They applied it. Don't just let your Bible collect dust where you stare at screens all day long. This is our modern day culture. Like Paul, we're commissioned to share Jesus. He was, in this, in this chapter, we see he's reasoning with them. He's uh, giving them examples. He's giving them evidence. He's giving them proof. He's going back to the scriptures. He's, he's using, as we'll see next week, what's in the culture around them to explain who Jesus is and, and what he did. He's proving. He's proclaiming. He's connecting with people. And we're called to do the same. He's, I, I imagine him sitting around. What do you think about this scripture? You know, here's what I think, and let me hear. And answering their, their questions and their doubts, leading them towards Jesus with much confidence in God's word, because he knows it, which is a huge help for us sharing. Oh, I, I don't, I'm not comfortable with sharing Jesus because I don't know much of the Bible. Well, there's, a, there's a fix for that. It's called um, reading it, you know? Like being in God's word. The more you spend time with him, the, the closer a connection we have and can share that with other people and evangelize and, and be on mission, on course, not drifting away. And know that Paul was using his brain. You don't got to check your brain at the door. Sometimes people think, oh, churches are just you know, emotional or this or that and Christians don't know anything. They're kind of dumb. And they just, it's just about belief. And Paul's like, no, fact check, fact check, fact check. Scripture, Scripture. Here's Jesus and Isaiah. Here's Jesus and Jeremiah. Here's Jesus and Genesis. You know, uh, he's proving. He's using his brain. We got to use our brain too.
to share and prove and uh, help people with their doubts and, and all the, gosh, all the evidence. Historical evidence. They read something in the Bible and there's nothing, it's a desert. They go dig there, archaeologists, and they're like, hey, we found the city that the Bible talked about. And I guess it was there. And Christians are like, yeah, because it's history, because it's truth. Um, bio, uh, sociological evidence, historical evidence, and on and on, personal evidence. The evidence for Christianity is, is pretty staggering when, when you break it down and think about it. And we have so much we can share with people. Don't just close yourself off and say, well, the, I don't want to bother them about Jesus. They're, they're going to get agitated with me. We've got to be like Paul. Say, hey, here's the truth of God. Take it or leave it, but it's my job to tell you. It's God's job to work on your heart. We see some people in this chapter 17, some people received the word of God with passion and others rejected it and they were agitated and they formed a mob and they started storming the castle, you know, going after Paul and Silas and Jason and it's like, what's going to happen is going to happen. Are we faithful to do our part and to share God's word and to be on mission for him? But if we drift, like I said, we're going to get off course. You know what you need? You need to paddle in tandem with God and Jesus in your boat. Helping guide us and direct us to be on course for Him. Mm. Jesus, take the wheel, right? We say that and then uh, we don't let Him steer our, our kayak, our boat, our canoe, whatever. We want to be in charge with our wants and our desires. And Jesus is like, I know the way to go. I will tell you the way to go and Will you let me lead you? Let me lead you. Talk to this person. Say these words. Are you, are you paddling in tandem with Jesus? Maybe is a question I'll leave you with this morning. Like the people of Berea, we've got to be about this. Uh, I'll, I'll close with this uh, verse and then we'll watch another short video. Hebrews 10. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Do you trust God that He's going to keep His promises? Never leave you, forsake you. Come in kingdom. No more sickness or sorrow, pain or tears or death. Do you trust Him to keep His promises? And do you hold tightly to that? I love that. Without wavering, are you clinging on to God and Jesus and their promises tightly this today? This week, will you Cling on to them and to the hope that we have. If you don't know Jesus, you are without hope. If you have Jesus, you have everything. If you don't have Jesus, uh, you have nothing. Nothing that lasts anyway. Nothing eternal. Jesus changes everything and, and God wants to use us. I don't know, sometimes we can get bummed out like, Woe is me. Get that Eeyore attitude, you know. God can't do anything through me and I'm just the sad... No! God wants to use you. He is... He doesn't have to use us. But He chooses to. Will we step up to the plate? Will we be on course for Him? On mission for Him? Not drift too far? But let God work in us and through us and power us to be His people in this world. This is the mission that He's called us to do. Will we be faithful and have courage 
to follow Him no matter what people say or do. That's what Paul did. We've got to be like the Bereans and stay true to His Scriptures. Let's end with this video. So when we feel ourselves drifting, how do we be like the Bereans and grow? Jesus has this great line to a church in Revelation 2, verse 4. He says, But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Mm. We've got to go back, back, back to the basics sometimes to reignite that flame in our heart. And we do this by reconnecting in similar ways to maybe how he first drew us in. We can reconnect with God's love and get rid of the chains of guilt and shame that are holding us back. We can reconnect with him in prayer and pour out our heart to our Heavenly Father. We can reconnect with His Word to us, the Holy Bible, to fill us with life and keep us from drifting. And we can reconnect with His church family for encouragement and support in our river of life filled with hurt and pain and suffering and sorrow. So may you stop drifting away and be firmly anchored in God, able to swim against the tide, offering living water to all you meet. May you be intentional and deliberate to live with gospel mission in every stroke and every step, purposefully steering and paddling toward the work God has called you to do. And may you Get back on course and reconnect with the captain of your seas, the Messiah, Jesus. Letting him take the wheel in your life and lead you in the direction he wants you to go. Can you hear him today? Jesus is speaking to your heart. It's something like this, that you do the throwing while I do the skiing. Ah!
pray with me? Heavenly Father, we rejoice in the fact that you have never failed us. But not only that, we trust in you. And we believe that you will never fail us. You have always been truthful and loving with us. Help us to be truthful and loving back to you and to the people around us this week as we go on our way. Empower us with your, your spirit and your courage, your boldness to represent you well in this dark world to be a light. Help us to uh, be on mission for you every day and every way and to not uh, follow the world's ways and drift, drift away from you. Jesus, you are incredible. Words can't describe how grateful and thankful we are for your sacrifice that saves us and sets us free, gives us abundant life that starts today and goes on forever. You are our everything. And we give you all the praise and all the worship that you deserve. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen.